This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Well, usually we say, uh, welcome everybody and welcome all our Torah Anytime viewers. Now, Baruch Hashem, with all these cameras, I don't even know where to look. That's the truth. I have one, two, and three. I, I don't know. I'm going to look over here because I know that's where the Zoom is, the main um, the, the, the main group is, is on. So, um, you know... Bear with me while we get through this technological, uh, you know, situations that we're dealing with. So again, thank you everybody for joining. Thank you everybody for tuning in. And Bezat Hashem will hopefully be able to learn just like we usually do on our uh, Thursday night classes. To begin with, first and foremost, we are uh, learning tonight Lilu Nishmat to Afal Ben Frida. We are also learning to Afwashtama to Harriet, Harriet Bat Lillian and Bat Aliza Bat Harriet, and as well as very unfortunate to all the people that are sick with this machla, with uh, the coronavirus, unfortunately, and with any sickness at this time, may they all have a refuah shlema bekaraif, a full and speedy recovery. Now, <clears throat> when I was thinking about what I was going to do, how I was going to do this, this, you know, like the class, if I was actually going to give a class and how I was going to do it on the computer, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, a month ago, if a month ago I would have told you that the world is going to shut down. And when I'm talking about like shutting down, you're talking about the shuls, you're talking about yeshivas, you talk, and not only over here, I, I was speaking today to a friend of mine from Australia, and he was telling me everything over there is also on lockdown. It's like the entire world. You would think like it's impo- a month ago, just in one month. It, you would not be able to like even like comprehend it. I was looking at the coastal, live view of the coastal today. It was empty. It was like nobody there, a handful of people over there. Can you imagine like somebody would say that would happen? Not, not only that, but Lahavdil, the Grand Central Station, which has roughly 750,000 people visit every day, empty, gone. You have Times Square, which roughly you have about 380,000 people walk through every day, completely empty. Pesach programs closed down. The entire world is almost like a shutdown. And you think about it, all this, how did, when did it start? It started from the end of December. How far, how many months already are we dealing with that the entire world is on a shutdown? And this is every, this is all people are talking about. This is all people are caring about. This is all as everybody's just thinking about. Now, when, when you look at, you know, everybody's locked down in their homes and, and really it is difficult that people are always nervous on the sickness. Are they going to get sick? Are they going to get, you know, those that are sick, are they going to get better? What about financial issues people are worried about? The jobs, the business, the investments that they may have. And probably one of the most fearful stuff is we have no idea when this is going to end. This could end tomorrow and this could end in six months or a year. Who knows? Now, one of the things that people don't realize that also come into the fact that people that have this issue actually are coming in and they get to hear it more and more, unfortunately, during these days, is the Shalom Bayit that actually happens during this time. Yeah, I don't know if this is true or not, but China, after, like, the, now they're starting to open the doors. Again, I, I don't know if this is, a, you know, authentic, the, this article that I read, but it said that there were so much divorce cases that were happening after the, everybody was secluded for so many months that, like, people were going out of their minds and people were going crazy and China had as a limit to how, like, how much divorce you could get in one day. Like, there's too many people online. Again, I don't know if it's true or not, but the, the, there is some truth in that. People are going crazy in their home. And people are unfortunately learning things in their home that they didn't realize. You know, people all of a sudden realize that they have a spouse, that they have children. And, you know, like, oh, wait a minute, I have some children. I didn't even know about this. We're all 
so busy in our own world. We're always on our work. We're always on our computers, our cell phones. We're always on our own devices that we can't even stop to realize that there are other people in our homes. There's other people in our lives. And now all of a sudden, it's like everything is like sort of stopping and like, look at your family, look at your children, look at your spouse, look at your brothers, look at your sisters, look at your parents. So unfortunate there are people that cannot go to their parents. Their parents are elderly and they're nervous that they're going to get them sick. Now with all these troubles and all these issues, usually what happens is that during these times, the phones, the internet, everything is filled with predictions. What's the predictions? Mashiach is here. Mashiach is coming. Mashiach is here. Now, People ask me why I didn't speak about this last time, why I'm not speaking about it, I have so many classes on Mashiach. So I want to explain to you how and what my thought process was and where I think there is a little bit of fault over here. Not chas v'shalom from any of the rabbis, but just how we, how we accept things and how things come out. When someone goes and hears that Mashiach is coming, that Mashiach is here, this could go in one of two ways. They could either strengthen themselves and be like, okay, now let's prepare, Mashiach is here, what am I going to do? Am I ready? And there's another way that... People are very unfortunate. They're like, they fed up with it already. They're like, you know what? I've had so many predictions about Mashiach. Every rabbi comes and says, Mashiach is coming, Mashiach is coming. And again with Mashiach. You have World War II? Mashiach. Twin Towers? Mashiach. Stock market crash? Mashiach. And then you have also the Gog and Magog. Ahmadinejad? Gog. Saddam Hussein? Gog. Obama? Gog. Whoever we don't like? Gog. Whoever we do like? Trump? Mashiach. This. And we go and we bring out numerical values and gimmatches and all these things. And everybody hears it. Again and again and again, and again, and everybody's saying, here we go again, again the cycle, again the same Mashiach. So, the, and now, what's happening now? Corona. Oh, people found the Gematra, the numerical value Corona is Mashiach. You spell it differently, than Mashiach Ba. And then you're doing, the, everybody's going through different calculations. So, uh, you know, it's, it's very important. There are some true things, and that's really what I want to discuss today, Bezat Hashem. There are some real things about how we see that it's Mashiach, and there's some things that are Unfortunately, not true, not real, and, and, it's, and it's fake. There was one thing that I got, there's actually quite a few things that I got. One thing I want to mention is that when Mashiach comes, something, this is what like this, the Sefer apparently wrote. No one saw the Sefer, people just saw a picture of it. Mashiach comes, something is going to come from China. It's going to be called Corona. No one knows what it will be. And then the yeshivas will close out, and then Mashiach is going to be by the door. And then like, Ba'erev Pesach, Mashiach is coming. Now people are coming this around. I saw this, I was very shocked. I never saw such a... Such an exact date of Mashiach, when is going to come? I was very shy. I sent it to my Rebbeim. No one ever heard about it. No one ever, you know, thought about this. And I don't know why people come. And people produce fake things, fake news about Mashiach, fake things about this. And, and it's, it's really, it, it, it doesn't benefit anybody. It actually hurts people because people, what, what they do is, is that they say, oh, here it goes again. And now people, st- it's like the boy who cried wolf. And once you have the boy who cried wolf, again and again and again, people stop believing. So we have to understand, now don't get me wrong, we're definitely in the age of Mashiach. Don't get me wrong and we're going to prove it, Bezat Hashem. But we have to go about this the right way. Now, when we have to go and we have to realize what is the difference between real and what is the difference between fake. But before we go into that, we have to go and see what the Gemara tells us and the sages tell us regarding predicting when Mashiach is coming. So the Gemara in Sanhedrin goes, and says something very strict. Some Gemara Sanhedrin, page ninety-seven B. It says that the spirit may the spirit of those who calculate the end expire, meaning death. That why, why? Because the Gemara say that since the predetermined time for when Mashiach was supposed to come, it didn't come. Must be that it's never going to come. And this is what the Rambam says. Rambam says also in Mishnah Torah. He so it goes brings down and he says when people go and they 
say that Mashiach is going to come on a specific date. It's going to come El Pesach. It's going to come over here. It's going to come on this particular date. What happens is over here, we have an obligation to anticipate Mashiach every single day. And if we're only going to go and say, oh, it's only going to be that date, so what about from now until then? What about from now until Pesach? Why should we have to wait until Pesach for the Mashiach to come? Mashiach to come tomorrow. Mashiach to come right after Shabbat. Mashiach to come right now. There's no reason to wait. So we have to be very careful on how we go and how we understand these concepts. Now, even though the Gemara says that whoever goes and calculates the end, their, their spirit should expire. We have to understand what this is. The Barbanel, you know, brings down, we have many sages that put down, they did say when Mashiach is going to come. They did put a, a date. So the, we'll give a few quick answers. The Barbanel goes and says that it is only forbidden to predict Mashiach based off on astrological calculations, astrology. But if you go through biblical sources, then there's not, then there's no problem to do it. So the, the problem over here is, is that we have to realize where are we basing our information from? Are we basing our information from something that's legitimate sources or somebody who went and wrote forward 10 times on their messages? And then what they did was, is that they took this forward and then they send it out to everybody else. I don't know if they haven't used WhatsApp recently, but everybody knows that WhatsApp doesn't have forward, 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 forward anymore. So they're taking old video things and they think that they're doing good, but they're really doing very bad. They're, 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 har- they're harming more than they're benefiting. Now, the Ramban, Nachmanides, he goes and says like this. He says that the prohibition regarding this, regarding setting a timer or, or telling people when Mashiach is going to come, that's only to the early generations. But in our generation, there's no prohibition. This is the Rambam saying in the 13th century. And the, the Malbim goes and explains as follows. You have a little son, and he's traveling with his father to, to a faraway location. And he's saying, you know, Dad, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? And the father doesn't answer, because it's a long time. And he's gonna, if he's going to start telling him, oh, it's going to be in a long time, the kid is going to get fed up, and the kid is not going to be able to stick with the travels. But what happens when they get closer to, to, the lo- to the location, to the destination? All of a sudden, when the kid goes and asks his father, Father, Dad, Tati, when are we going to get there? Then the Father will give them hints. We're going to be there soon. We're going to be there very shortly. This is what's happening now. Mashiach is is very close. It, it's very close. In the older generations, we couldn't say that. Why? It was very far away. It would have been very far away. And people would have been, you know, it's going to come in, in a thousand years. People are going to be like, a thousand years? Forget about it. What am I even worried? What am I even thinking about it? So you have to think about it. That's going to come every single day. But now that it's coming any minute, that it's coming very soon, this is something that we're able to realize and we're able to see that the times of Mashiach is very, very near. Now, the problem that I have is when people come, and they say Mashiach is going to come in 2001. Mashiach is going to come in 2012. Mashiach is going to come in 2015. We don't know that. We know certain things. And we, we you know, the way that I could explain it, the best way that I found to explain it is like this. The Chavle Mashiach, the, the troubles, the birth pangs of Mashiach is known as the, very similar to Chavle Lilda, like pregnancy. What happens in pregnancy? In pregnancy, you have that, you know, a woman gets pregnant and then she has contractions. And sometimes she thinks that the baby's coming and they run to the hospital and they're running to the hospital and the doctor says, no, you know, you're not even close to it. You're just in the beginning. You're, you have plenty of time. Go back home. You don't, you're not, you're not pregnant. You're not, you're not, you're not, the baby's not coming out now. And they come home and then they have another big contraction and they run back to the hospital and they run back and forth back and forth this is how it works with Mashiach Mashiach there's contraptions there's there's uh, the contractions there's contractions and what's happening 
the contractions are happening, and we think, oh, Mashiach is right here, Mashiach is right here. And you're right, it's, it's very close, it's very close. But we don't know exactly when. We don't know when it's going to happen, when it's not going to happen. But one thing we do know, the contractions are here. We see the contractions. Now, the process is just like pregnancy. So people should not get this hardened that they said, oh, Mashiach is going to come by the Twin Towers. Mashiach is going to come by the stock market crash. Mashiach is going to come here. Mashiach is going to come here. And then we see again, no, no, no. It's contractions. This is how it's happening. And it's happening in a slow, slow but surely manner that we need to go and wake up and realize the end is very, very near. Now, before we go and begin to speak a little bit about the predictions of what happens that the Torah speaks about regarding Mashiach, we first have to quote, and I usually quote Rebbe Khan Inspector, which goes and says like this, that there are many, many predictions about Mashiach. Many of them. And you're now in the previous and the future dates, your guys are going to be flooded with all this material. But one thing you have to know is that we don't understand it. Only once Mashiach comes will we look back and be like, oh, now I understand why God did this way and how this sign that says in the Gemara really means this. And we start plugging in everything. But when we think that we're so smart that we're able to go and understand, the Gemara says this is going to happen and we see it happening right now. Yeah, very likely. But we don't see the full picture. We have hints and glimpses to what's happening, but we don't see the full picture. Now, the question is asked, then why did, you know, if we don't see the full picture, and we're not only, we're not going to be able to fully understand it only once Mashiach comes, then what is the purpose of the Gemara, the Kabbalah, all these, the, these sources that tell us what's going to be when Mashiach comes? Because we have a lot, a lot of information. We gave 21, 20, what is it, 21 classes on Mashiach. We, there's a lot of information on Mashiach. So what is the purpose of it all? And the answer is, is that the reason why the sages of Torah you know, gave us this information is that when we see these troubles occur, when we see that we're going under difficult times, we don't give up. We strengthen ourselves to knowing that there's something that's coming. There's no, there's no comparison between someone who suddenly experiences something out of the blue to someone who prepares himself, who's ready, who knows that something is happening. Now, with that introduction, let's go to what's, you know, the situation now with this uh, coronavirus. The, Gemara tells us also, the sages tell us, the Midrashim tell us that before Mashiach comes, there's going to be terrible diseases. The Midrash goes and says something like this, Amar Levi. Levi says, Samuch li'imot ha-Mashiach, close to, very close to when Mashiach comes, Dever gadol ba'la'olam. There's going to be a great plague that comes into the world. This is, this is the Midrash. The Midrash says this straight out. Now, what's something very interesting is it says it's going to come into the world. Into, into the world, we know that plagues, epidemics, very, you know, pandemics is something that's very, you know, it's, it's not so common. One of the reasons that it's not so common, especially in the, you know, in the years, years beyond, the years that passed, is that in order for a disease to go and transfer from one location to another location, there has to be some sort of commute, commute that it'll be able to transfer. So it'll be either through ships or through some sort of transport, transportation. In the olden days, most of the people lived in their towns and their countries. So if they, you had an epidemic, then where was that epidemic? In that area. You didn't have an epidemic throughout the entire world because how would it get to the entire world? It was very difficult. How would it get to the entire world? Yet the Midrash says something. Midrash was written thousands of years ago. Was saying what? It's saying that there's going to be something that's going to come, a plague that's going to come on the entire world, meaning that it's not going to be limited to one location. It's going to be everywhere. And in order to get everywhere, how did Torah know that there's going to be a way? In order to get everywhere, it means it has to be so, such a, uh, uh, the, the transportation vehicle from the disease from getting to one point to another point has to be very short because it can't imagine someone goes and has this disease 
Then they travel on a boat. They want to go somewhere, and it takes them three weeks. By the time they get there, the disease is gone. Even the people on the boat will get it. You know, most likely it's gone. So the the amazing thing over here with how you look and how you understand the Torah Kedoshah and how it has all these secrets revealed, it's something so unbelievable. And yet we see over here, it says it straight out. And it says it more in numerous places. The Sifri, in Baha'aloscha, the Nitziv brings down there something very interesting. Someone sent it to me. He said that the war on Gog and Magog will not be a war like you think. It's going to be a magefa. It's going to be a plague. It's going to be an epidemic. A pandemic at this point inside. Now, am I going to say that this is Gog and Magog? I don't know. I am nobody to tell you what it is or what it isn't. But one thing is, we see some sources that are coming up. The Al-Qud Shimoni also says something very interesting in Bereshit. It says, Hashem will never bring a mabul, a flood of water, but a mabul, a flood of plague, will be brought on the idolatrous nations in the days of Mashiach. Isn't that crazy? The idol- What's happening over here? The virus, where did it originate? In China, which is known for atheism and idolatry. It's known from all these, from, from, from the impurities of what they do. And not even more. Listen to this, something crazy. That somebody, that I get all this information. I thank everybody who sent me. The Mikhtav Meliahu goes and says this in Galus Vigeula. He goes and says something like this. I want to, I want to quote it from you. Something crazy. The destruction of Edom will only come through the destruction of this world, as we know it. The Holy One will cause the very foundations of life on earth to collapse. I'm quoting for you. I'm translating, obviously. Tranquility will be disrupted. Personal lives will be filled with worry, fear, and suffering. And the entire world will come in a dread of destruction and devastation. And only then the light of Mashiach is revealed. Isn't that crazy how the destruction of Edom is going to come? This is the foundation of everything is being collapsed. We see over here things that are unprecedented in our history. Not in our lifetime, in our history. You see over here, Israel closes its borders. Very difficult to fly anywhere. Imagine that. Someone would have told you that the entire airline system is going to shut down. Not only that, the financial markets are crashing. They're crashing everywhere. Everywhere. Usually you have something good over here, something that affects over here. Be able, now it's crashing everywhere. And what's even the, the, the biggest shocker is everyone's locked up in their own homes. If somebody would have said this years ago, you would have thought biological weapon, maybe nuclear attack or something like that. This has nothing to do with any of that. This has something to do with a pandemic and everybody is locked in their homes. Now you walk in the street and you don't, you don't see people with masks or gloves. You're like, okay, you know, why are they not wearing masks? What happens if you're walking in the street and someone coughs? Well, forget about it. The looks that you give and you just like run the other way. So if you want to get somebody to go and, and move away, just cough a little bit. But that's good. That's, uh, you know, very problematic because you're causing people, you know, suffering. What's going to be happen? If somebody's going, he's walking in the store, they're standing in the store, and all of a sudden somebody starts coughing because he wants some extra space, then this person, unfortunately, the person that was coughed on will think, okay, greater, now I got the virus. Now who knows what he did? Who knows what he got me? So don't use that. That's, that was a, you know, a joke. Don't use that for your own, um, you know, personal things because you have to be very careful. And it's, and even if you do need a cough, try to stuff it because people are very nervous. People are very scared about this. Let's go on a little bit further. The Gemara and Sanhedrin, page 98a says that when you see a generation that is overwhelmed by many troubles, wait for them. And we see, unfortunately, this generation, many, many troubles. Very unfortunate. Well, whether it's anti-Semitism, whether it's financial troubles, whether it's family troubles, whether there's so many troubles that goes on. And the Gemara Sota, page 49b, says that before Mashiach comes, the face of the generation will be like the face of the dog. Says the Chafetz Chaim, something here very, very important. It says, what happens when a dog gets hit? A dog gets hit, what is it, what is it looking at? It's looking at the stick. The stick is the one that went, and the stick is the one that hit me, and it gets upset at the stick. What's gonna be in the generation of Mashiach? In the generation of Mashiach's arrival, we'll be lacking in understanding, and we'll be reluctant to do tshuva. And we will be 
attributing all our problems to the stick. We're not going to look at what's holding the stick, and that's God's hand is holding the stick. Our history, look at our history. It's filled with anti-Semitism, unfortunately. And what do we learn from it? So you have the Holocaust. What do people learn from the Holocaust? Never again. That's all we learn. Never again. Never again how? So we're going to build armies. We're going to have the strongest air force. We have the very strong intelligence. We're going to have all these things. That's not never again. Never again means that you know where it came from. You know the root of the problem. And the root of where it all came from, it came from God. There's a reason that God did this. All decrees come from God. Anti-Semitism doesn't come from fanatic Muslims. It doesn't come from the black Israelites that we had recently, the situation. It doesn't come from the Nazis. It comes from God. Hashem is showing us today that everything is in his hand. We've gone through so much suffering in our in our history. And we're always saying it's because of this, it's because of that. But what we're seeing right now, that really where it's coming from, it's coming from God. There's nowhere else that it could come from. There's nowhere. And what happens? People like to blame people. People like, it's always good. And this is a problem also in, in marriages where people, you know, having difficulties, so they put that difficulties on their spouse or on their children. And it comes up to, to a tremendous amount of shalom bayit problems. You look at with this um, pandemic, the coronavirus, that you have, originally, it was, you know, China. So what happened? We blame China. Why is it China? Because they're eating live animals. Eva Minachai. Again, not allowed. You're not supposed to. But then it changed. It's a biological weapon. Uh, China is a biological weapon. Again, whether it is or not, I have no idea. Um, then it was switched to, it was switched to America. America is the one, I don't know if China, I don't know if America is starting rumors and then China is starting rumors about America and then there's somebody else. You know, so what happened was, first it was China, then it was America who started it, send it to Wuhan somehow and then cause it to come over there. But then there's something new that someone sends me. That whose fault it is? Shocker. Get ready for this shocker. Whose fault is the coronavirus? The Jews. I saw, there's an article, the Times of Israel came out of the article that what? The coronavirus is a Jewish invention. It's the Jews trying to control this and the Jews trying to do that. This is what, this is how pe- people need to blame somebody. So let me blame China. If I can't blame China, I'll blame America. Let me just blame, I'll blame the Jews. Jews will be the scapegoat. And we look to blame. And we have to look at the Ran. What the Ran says in Dershah's Haran. Hadush Hashishi. And he goes and says like this. Sometimes events occur in faraway places and in faraway lands. For what reason? To stir the Jewish nation to do tshuva. Because what's going to happen? Lest the same punishment will come upon them. And the Ran continues. Listen very closely because this is so applicable. When you do not suffer in response to the terrible tragedies of others, the punishment does not end. Rather, what the Ran says, it comes closer and closer to you. Everything that happens in this world, there is a reason and a rhyme that happens for each people. But ultimately, there is a reason for the Jew. There, there is. There is a re- the, the Jew is responsible for a lot. And what happens over here, if we go, and the, the, the way that it started, it started in China. And we said, ah, it's China, so the factories are going to close. And then it went to Italy. It's, oh, it's like the wine and whatever it is on some pasta. And then it went to Iran, so we said, oh, good, Baruch Hashem, let, you know, take care of whoever, by the which is unfortunate because there's a lot of Jews also in Iran that are also unfortunately got it. But we look at it, and it's keep on coming closer and closer and closer. And if we don't wake up, it's going to come to us. And we see that's what happened. It hit the entire Jewish community, the entire Jewish world. You look at the, the largest Jewish communities. You look at New York, you look at Al-Tisrael, you look at California. These places have been hit very, very hard. People are on lockdown. So what's happening during this time? During this time, people, you know, uh, you, you have, you know, a sort of polar opposite. Some people strengthen themselves. 
in their Judaism and they're closest to God, and some people fall. And why, why do people fall? There's no structure. So usually you have a shul every Thursday night, you have this, you have to be able to pray with them, and you're able to do all these things. All of a sudden, we're on uncharted territory. We're unfamiliar with anything that's going on over here. And when we're unfamiliar, we're like so lost, so you know, discombobulated. We, we, we don't know what's going on. So what we need to do is we need to look at our gedolim and see what our gedolim told us that we need to do and we need to fix on. Because this is something that don't, don't let this fool you. We, each and every single one of us, should be taking upon ourselves something and working on ourselves. We should. There's no, if you don't, then you're blind to the situation. You have to wake up. This is a time that you have to wake up. You have to do tshuva. But let's look at what the Saratoa Rav Chaim Kanievsky said. Rav Chaim Kanievsky said three things that a person should work upon themselves. He said, goes and says like this. A person has to be mechazik. He has to be strengthen himself to refrain from lashonara, humility, and ma'avir al-midosav. Now let's go and explain these things. And by the way, Rabbi Chaim Kanevsky goes and says that whoever strengthens himself in this, in these things, the merit will protect him and his family that none of them will be sick. So it's very, very worth it for you to go, besides the spiritual benefit, also for the physical benefit. But let's take a d- deeper look into this. And I was speaking, you know, uh, you know, about this and I was like thinking, you know, when you look into what Reb Chaim Kanevsky said, there's a lot of Mashiach that's around it there. There's a lot. You know, I'll try to touch a little bit on it. This is not really the focus I wanted, but there's a lot over here that, that focused on it. Now, let's take a, a deeper look at this. The Gemara in Erechen goes, page 15b, it says that somebody who speaks Lashon Aram, this is equal to the three great transgressions of Yarek Valyavo, Avodah Zarah, idolatry, immorality, and murder. That is how it's equal. It's very, very serious, Lashon Aram. What happens when someone speaks Lashon Aram? They go, and they get something called sarat. They get leprosy. And what happens from a, from somebody who gets sarat? He has to dwell alone. He has to go outside the camp. Why? Because this person who spoke bad about other people, he separated other people. Now he is going to be separated. Now we look at our day and age. The, you know, chasr I'm not speaking bad about anybody, but just the way that the world is working, the lashonara has reached such a high level. You know, unfortunately, due to the social media, where you had originally you had people that they wanted to speak bad when, like, the internet first came out, right? So when people wanted to speak bad about somebody, they had different screen names and they hid by them and they said, this person is bad and this person, they spoke bad, but they didn't say who they were. Now the chutzpah, which is again, one of the things when Mashiach comes, is going to be a tremendous amount of chutzpah. The chutzpah is so great that people openly speak bad about other people, about Rabbanim, about Gidolim, about other people. They just speak Lashon Hara, they just bad mouth all over for, for, and good people. If someone's a rasha, whatever, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with the situation. But when people go and people that are mezaket arabim, that help other people and people are causing so much, so much lashon ara that's just like spreading and you think about like, it, look at the social media. You have one person and you could look, it, it's not even, it's, you look at even WhatsApp. WhatsApp where you have a thousand people forward something. So people go and they forward Somebody decides he saw, you know, a Humvee or I don't know, an army truck. Right now, everybody's on lockdown. So they send out to everybody, the world is coming on a lockdown, you better stock up, the toilet paper is going to go out of, you know, like this, and here are big things, right? Important things that we need to go and we need to focus on. And people, one person started this message, goes to one group, another one goes to another group, another one, and it blows up to everything else. And I was telling my wife, I said, it's so funny because now you see there's so many people, like families that never spoke, chats that never spoke, all of a sudden are blowing up with information. Blowing up. Has that family ever spoken so much to each other? And then you have now. But you have to be careful. What are we speaking about? 
Are we speaking about, oh, what this rabbi says and what the, how this person is doing it, why they're having weddings and why this minyan is still around and why this? We have to go and it's really, really difficult to stop and think before you forward something, before you say something, before you type something, is this Lashon Is this Rechilis? Is this something that I'm allowed to say? Is this something that I should forward? Is this something that I, Chizuk, for sure forward. Shurei Tuah, for sure forward. But there's so many things that are going around. Sometimes jokes are also good. A humor is good at this time. But there's some things that really are, are, are problematic. That's one of the things, says Reb Chaim Kenefsi Lashonara. Then you have the other thing, which is humility. But before we go into humility, there's something very interesting. Why was the Bet Hamidrash destroyed? The Bet Hamidrash, why was it destroyed? The Bet Hamidrash was destroyed because of Sinat Kenam, baseless hatred. So we were, we had a, 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 Sinat Chinam, a baseless hatred with Lashon Ara, that happened, that destroyed our second temple. Now what's going to happen? How are we going to go and rebuild the temple? How do we rebuild the temple? By fixing what we messed up originally. What did we mess up originally with? Lashon Ara, Sinat Chinam. Now what is, all of a sudden, Reb Chaim, out of all the things that, that he said, Lashon Ara. I was like, wait a minute. Lashon Ara, Sinat Chinam. This is, you know, there's something here that's very easily pluggable over here that, that you know, it's just like a red light flashing. There's something going on over here. Why out of all the things Lashon Ara? Obviously, we have to work on it. We have to learn, work on a lot of things. But this is the reason. This is what we need. We're at the end of times. And if I'm not, this is my own interpretation, but I see Reb Chaim Kanevsky pushed this out there without actually saying it straight out. But what happens after that? The other thing was, was humility. You have to work on humility. And, oh, how important it is now. First of all, how we plug in humility to Lashon Ara. You look that Lashon Ara, what, what happens when somebody is, is humble? When someone's humble, everybody's greater. Everyone's better than them. They don't look down on anybody else. So if you're looking up at everybody else, you will never speak bad about anybody else. Because you have humility. You have this, this humble idea that you're who you are and everybody else is greater. So you're going to go and you're going to look up to everybody else and you'll never do it. Say Lashon Ara. So humility is very, very closely connected, connected to Lashon Ara. We also know that opposite of humility is arrogance. What was the arrogance? Tito Sarasha, who destroyed the Bet HaMikdash, when he entered the, the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he did, you know, despicable act in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and then he took a knife and he slashed the curtain, the, the, the Parochat, and miraculously blood started strip, you know, like spilling out of it. And he thought that he killed God. He, like, that was his impression. And then he was traveling on his boat. And his boat was about to sink. There was a big wave. There was a big storm that was coming on and the, he felt like it was about to go. And he's like, you know what? This makes sense. The God of the Jews, his power is only water. He got Paro with water. He got Sisera with water. Now he wants to drown me with water. Says this Rasha, this wicked man. He goes to God and says, you want to fight me? Fight me on land. Arrogance. Arrogance of a level that you don't even begin to understand. He steps on, we all know the story. He goes and he steps onto the land. And what happens? A tiny, tiny, little, little fly enters his nose. And from that he dies. What, what's going on over here? You go, you look over here. That in our day and age, we have so much arrogance. And not, not just us as a people, like just, just human race as where we are. We have science. We have technology. You know, Baruch Hashem, for all these things, don't get me wrong, you have the Iron Dome. We can knock down missiles without even, you know, by automatic. It doesn't have to, you know, it, it just, everything's automatic. We feel so powerful. And then what happens? There's a tiny disease, a tiny disease that shuts down the entire world. That shuts out. Talk about to how to get a humility over here. Rav Yitzchak Isaac Haver goes and says the greatest cause for heresy is the so-called science. Because we think we know everything. And when we think we know everything, God says, hey, you don't know everything. Here's a little tiny, little tiny thing that's going to turn the whole world upside down. Let's go to the next thing that Rav Chaim Kanevsky says. 
Rav Chaim Kenyaski goes and says that you have to be ma'avir al-midotav. What's ma'avir al-midotav? So this is based on the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, page 17a, which says, kol ha-ma'avir al-midotav. Somebody who goes and who is forgiving ma'avarim lo al-kol pesha'av. They go and they, and God forgives him for all the sins. How important this is now, I can't even begin. People that get phone calls and people that speak to people know exactly what I'm talking about. When everybody's stuck at home, tensions rise. Every little thing blows up. It gets crazy. You know, you know, and again, I'm not blaming anybody. Everybody has their own things. I'm not speaking to anybody in particular, but I am. You have, Baruch Hashem, for all those who have kids, they go and the kids are breathing on top of them and their kids are screaming at them and they're screaming back at the kids and every little thing you're in the, you're stuck in your home and every little thing gets blown up like another thing and then one spouse is going to this, another spouse is going to that, one sibling saying this, one pleasing that, everyone's saying stop breathing so loud, stop doing this. Kol ha-ma'avir This is something you have to be forgiven. Look how important this is. Look at the, the tzaddik adol. Look how he could see everything. He says, what's going on over here? Everybody is going to be on top of each other. Everybody is going to be so difficult to handle with each other. Take a breath. Don't be upset. If you're able to go and forgive, okay, so your kid is a little bit needy, so your spouse is a little bit needy, so your sibling is a little bit bothering you. Take a step back. Breathe. Smile. Don't get angry when you're able to go and forgive. Okay, let's say they did something wrong to you. It was their turn to do this and it was their turn to do that and they didn't give you your space. Take a breath, smile, say thank you. You don't know what that's worth. You have no idea the power that that has. The Torah Chaim says, what's going to happen before Mashiach comes? Before Mashiach comes, the Satan, the evil inclination is going to be killed. Shachted. Now, what happens, says the Torah Chaim, before uh, the, the, somebody gets killed, somebody gets slaughtered? The strength, it uses all, and this is in all, all living creatures, it uses its final strength to give the, you know, the, the, the strongest, like, bout of energy right before they, right before they go. And this is why people, before they die, they look, all of a sudden they're getting healthier, and then they go. And this is also before, uh, you know, light flickers, it brights up, and then it goes down. The same thing with the plant and all other things, you know, as well. We're not going to get into all the details for that. So what's going to happen before Mashiach comes? The Satan knows that he's dying. The, the evil inclination knows that it's over. The game is very, very close to over. So what's going to do? It's going to try so hard to go and with its last power of energy to go and try to get everybody to fall down. Everybody to fall down. So look, look at how amazing that the, when, when you think about it, when everyone is stuck at home, and everybody doesn't have their own, so people are not going to Miyanim, people are not going to Shulim. So what are you doing? So you're staying home, well, let's say you're listening to Shulim. It's amazing. Bo Hashem and you should keep on doing it. But how's your interactions with your family? How's your interaction with your friend, with people that you speak over the phone? Are you always tense? You feel like, I can't, I can't do it, I can't. Or you stop for a second and be like, wait a minute, maybe this is a test. And it is. And maybe this is something that if I overcome it, the, the smaller something you overcome, <clears throat> the smaller the reward. But if you overcome something big, and big by I mean it's big to you. If it's big to you and you overcome it, then that reward is so great. That is where it is so great. And this is what, what the, what, you know, the sages tell us that before, before Mashiach comes, you, you think about it, there's, <clears throat> there's previous generations that were so much greater than us. They could have done so, they, and that they could have, they did do so much more. The learning was good, the Munah was greater, the, everything was greater. They, didn't bring Mashiach. But our generation, that's the generation that's going to bring Mashiach. People ask, how? How does that make sense? And the answer is, is that Abbas Rav Nassim says like this, 
that one thing in distress is better than a hundred in ease. When people are going through difficulties in their life, when people are going through hard times and don't get this wrong, everybody is suffering right now. Everybody, whether they're sick, whether they're afraid they're going to get sick, whether they got sick, whether they got better, whether they're afraid about their panasa, whether they're afraid about their shalom bayit, whether they're afraid about anything, everybody is going through something right now. And when you're going through something and you do something good, that is worth a thousand times greater than anything that you would have done when you were not suffering. So think about it. Everything that you do, for the next few days, few weeks, few months, who knows how long, everything that you do, you have the power to multiply the merits for that times a thousand. But in order to do that, you have to be ma'avir al top. You have to realize, you have to let things go. It's going to get tough. It's tough. It's very tough. And the more that you're stuck at home and the more you do it, it's very difficult. We're people that we need to socialize. We need to be out. Baruch Hashem, in a sense, that we have all this technology, it's a curse and a blessing. Like, we're able to have a shiur Do you understand, like, this is unbelievable. This is only recently that we we're able to do this. You know, 10 years ago, this was very, very unlikely that this would happen. 20 years ago, only on a phone system. 100 years ago, it wouldn't have happened. 100 years ago, if they would have, everybody had to be secluded, we had no idea what's happening in the world. We had no idea. Now we're connected, but we're separated. We're disconnected, and we're connected at the same time. Says Reb Chaim Vital in Shalagilgulim. He says a small act in this generation is equal to many, many great mitzvot in, in the other generation. So right now you feel like you can't do anything. You feel like I'm done. I can't. I can't focus on anything. This is the time that you step it up. This is the time that you go and you decide that you're going to go and, do, and become even better than you are before. This is the time where you are thinking like, you know, I can't change. I'm so much. And now it's so much stress. Now is the time that you get up. Now is the time that you be strong. And now is the time that you change what you always wanted to change. And even better, change things that you didn't even want to change. Do something. This is the time. The power is so great. It's difficult. Don't get me wrong. But the power, the strength, the merit that you're going to get for this is crazy. It's crazy what you can get from this. So what's happening over here? You have everybody that are nervous and panicking. And I want to speak a little bit for the remaining you know, few minutes that we have. I want to speak a little bit about you know, the panic, what everyone's going through. We know the Chavle Mashiach is also, besides, it's, Hevle is also like a rope. And the rope, before Mashiach comes, we've explained this before, that the rope gets shaken very, 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 very rapidly. And in order for you to go and stay, like, strong, like, holding on to the rope, you have to hold very tightly. Before Mashiach comes, the world is going to shake very, very drastically. There's going to be things that are going to happen, and there's going to be situations that are going to be, and it'll be very difficult. And if you want to hold on to your Emunah and your Bitachon and your Judaism, you have to hold on strong. And we see this now. We see this. You have to hold on strong. But really what I want to focus on is the Emunah that you have to have. Says, this, says the Shomer Emunim. He goes and he brings this down. And he says this is the second chapter. Something very important. We've speak, spoken about this before, but it's worth it to, to bring it back in. The more fear that you have, the more that you can bring upon yourself the thing that you're fearing. Now, this is also Rabbi Melech uh, brings this down as well. He brings down a Ben Yehoyada that says that when there's an epidemic in town, one should leave the town. Now, why should one leave the town? Because the fear of getting sick will make him vulnerable to getting sick. We know that based off, you know, science, the, the more stressed that you are, the more nervous that you are, you're decreasing your immunity. You're decreasing your, your body's ability to fight these, you know, these situations. So, during these times, this is something that we have to go and we have to hold on strong to our munah and bitachon. And he brings down, he continues to remember vitamin by a mashal, a parable told by the doctors. Again, this is a parable. That the one time there was an epidemic in a large town. And before the virus spread, a person met the angel in charge of that, of that plague. And he goes over to this 
to this angel and says, how many people are you going to go and you want to go and kill from this plague? And the angel said, 5,000. So he said, 5,000, okay. At the end, 15,000 people died. As the angel was leaving the town, all of a sudden the person saw him again. He says, wait a minute, you told me 5,000. All of a sudden it's 15,000? Where did you get the extra bonus 10,000 people? And says the angel says, really, I only came here for for 5,000. The extra 10,000, they died because of their own fears. The fears reduce your level. You have to, at this point in time, you have to have a level of imunah and bitachon. Again, that's a mashal. But a person has to have a level of emunah and bitachon. That when you go, you have, don't get me wrong, you have to do your hishtadut. You have to do what you are required to do. And whether that's staying home, whether that's taking your medicine, whatever, whatever it is that you need to do, you are required to do that. But after your hishtadut ends, your emunah and bitachon kicks in full force. And in this day and age, and I was speaking to somebody today, in this day and age, the, and that's not really, it's, it's in, really an everyday in age that when you're dealing with Emunah Bidachon, it's not enough that you listen to one class and y'all, you already had it. You listen to one, you know, series about Emunah Bidachon. Emunah and Bidachon is a daily exercise. Every single day. This is, at this day and age, this, we have to go and work on this every single day. Find a Sefer, find a Shi'ul, do whatever it is that you need. Find Shi'ulim and Emunah and learn this. Again and again, review this classes, review it again. You have to internalize it. Something we spoke about last week. But this is something that you have, if you don't do it every single day, Emunah lasts, depending on the person, class for a day. And then you have to work on it another day. But during that day, you should utilize one hour during that day. Where you say, during this one hour, I am going to utilize whatever I learned in my Munabidachon. Whether it's Einod Milvado, whether that Kolmanda Avidachman al everything that God does for the best. Whatever it is that you want to focus on, use, try one hour. One hour, where it's going to be one hour, called the happy hour. Because when you have a Munah and Bidachon, it's happiness. One hour, you don't stress out. Everybody screams at you, 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 somebody was coughing. No stressing out during one hour. One hour, you're implementing, you're internalizing your emunah and bitachon. Try to try to, to to work on that. When you go and you build that, all of a sudden, you have this sense that your immunity is stronger. You feel healthier. You feel better. You're you're stronger. You're physically and emotionally and intellectually more more alert. Everything works for your benefit. This can only be for your benefit. So I beg of each and every single one of you something. Try work on it. Try an hour a day. Now the problem is. You have people, and they say, You know what that's for? The big chachamim, the big tzaddikim, they can have a Look what they have. What about me? I am a nobody, and you know, people that go, and let's say they're not on the level that they want to go. Really, we should, we're all not on the level that we want to be. And we say, what? You know, God's going to save me with a munah I want to quote for you, a nisivus shalom. That goes and says like this, that one who does not believe that Hashem dwells even among the wicked and their impurities is also considered not because... And it, the, the Rab, Avram Weinfeld goes and brings this in an example with, um, with Menashe. Menashe was a wicked king. And the Midrash brings this down. And the, the, he, he was captured. And they put him in chains. And they put him in a pot. And they put, lit that pot on fire. And he went, and this Menashe, this, this evil king went, and he started screaming to every single Avodah every single idolatry. He said, save me, save me, save me, from one to another, to another, to another. And nobody was saving them. And finally he goes and says, you know what? Let me speak to God. And if God saves me, good. And if not, then it must be that he's just like everybody, all the other, you know, idolatries. Uh, you know, I, you know, idols out there. And he goes and he calls out to God. And the angels was like, this, this Rasha is going to speak to God? 
And they said, well, he's not worthy of God hearing his prayers. And they wanted to block it. And God had to go around and hurt his tefillot. And not only that, he went and he saved him. Why? So that in the future that nobody should ever think that says that God does not listen to your prayers. That you're not worthy. It doesn't matter at your level. The power that you have, you have no idea. You have no idea what you're capable of. No matter how far you have fallen. And the Rambam brings this down. This is a continuation. You have to stay with me for this. In Tehillim, chapter 37, verse 3. It says, "Betach ba'ashem Trust in God and do good. Trust in God and do good. Now, the I accidentally muted myself. Okay, so trust in God and do good. What does that What does that mean over here? Says the the you know. Listen to how the Ramban Ramban sorry Ramban explains this, and he says, "If it would it says betach ba'ashem va'asetov. If va'asetov, if do good came in the beginning, then you would have thought." That if you would have said, do good, and then trust in God, then you would have thought, in order for me to trust God, I have to first do good. But what does the Pasuk say? The Pasuk does not say that. The Pasuk says, betach ba'ashem, trust in God, and then do good. Meaning, that you do not have to have a, you know, a backpack full of mitzvot and to for you to be able to go and, and do good. Anybody could, I'm sorry, to trust God. Anybody can trust God. Anybody has a level of emunah b'dachon, but the catch. There's a catch. What's a catch? Says the Rambam, the, the, the Pasuk adds a directive to what? That you have to do good. Betach Bashem, first trust God. God will take care of you, no matter your level. But then you have to devasetov, you have to do good. Because if you, if you go and you think, a person should never ever fool himself to thinking that they will never be punished for their misdeed. No matter who which rabbi tells you and what, whatever this person tells you, everybody is responsible, unfortunately, or fortunately, for their deeds. And it's very unfortunate. The Gemara Baba Kama says that whoever says that God is a batran, that God overlooks sin, he will be overlooked. So it's a very, very serious thing over here. And this is also the Chovat Avavot says, someone who trusts in God, but at the same time rebels against him, is a fool. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So, now, the Chovat Avavot being said that, also brings down that if a person begins to doubt whether or not he's worthy of God's kindness, he's not a Baal Bitachon. He doesn't trust God. God can take care of every single person, regardless of what you have done. But don't fool yourself. You have to do good. You have to do good. Right now, our obligation, trust God. And we're working, moving forward. What What are we going to do good? And not only that, there's something very interesting. Every single one of us alive today, we are all descended from the 20% of Jews who left Egypt. We know that only 20% of Jews left Egypt. Which are those Jews? Those are Jews that trusted in God and followed Him out of Egypt into the Midbar, into the wilderness. So every single Jew alive today is a descendant from those 20% that left Egypt. Meaning that those 20% in their DNA, they had the ability to go and trust God to go into the desert, into nothingness. So in our DNA, we have the ability to trust God no matter if things look bleak, if things look bad, if things look terrible, we still have the ability, it's in us, to go and trust into God. Now, that being said, I want to finish off with one final point. And that is, that in our day and age, we have to go and think about how we're supposed to understand this. Rabbi Leal Desser goes and says, you know what, people are miserable. People are suffering. Besides the fact that some of them, and many of them are. But we all believe we're entitled to whatever we desire. And we're constantly being told, you deserve this, you deserve this, and you deserve that. And granted, may God bless each and every single one only for the best. But we have to stop for a second. We have to thank God for giving us for everything that we have. And not only we have to thank God for all that we have, we also have to realize that we don't deserve anything. 
everything that we have is a, is, is a bonus, is a matnas chinam, it's a free gift from God. This is not something that we deserve. This is not something that we earn. This is not something you can't say, well, I was a big tzaddik, I was a big tzaddik, I dressed modestly, I learned Torah, and now I deserve this. We don't deserve nothing. Nothing. We don't deserve anything. Everything that we have from God is a free gift. God gives and gives and gives. And we have to stop for a second and say, thank you. Thank you for giving us so much. Thank you for our family. Thank you for a roof over. Thank you that we have a place to quarantine. Thank you for having the ability to go and stress out over toilet paper. Thank you for having the ability to stress out over this. There's so many things that we have to stop. Stop for a second. Reb Zusha used to say, you know, like, he was so poor that, that he could not afford a tiny piece of food. And you know what he said? Instead of saying, God, I'm so hungry, God, why are you doing this to me? He says, God, you're so kind. You gave me an appetite. How amazing is an appetite? We have to think about it. Right now, a lot of us stressed out, panicking. Stop for a second. Thank you, God, that we have the mindset that we are the ability to panic. Really, we shouldn't be panicked because we should have it in Munan Bitachon. But the fact that you panic, realize there are many people that are not they're not all there, and they can't. They can't even comprehend the panic. You look at the little children; they don't, they don't understand the, the you know the concept of what's going on right now. So, when we're going, we're dealing with this situation. We have to realize that everything that God does to us is not because we earn it, not because we deserve it, but it's a free gift. It's a matnas chinam, and this is how we have to go into these these coming days and coming weeks, and hopefully, no more than that. So, again, as a quick recap, you know there are a lot of things that are going around now. There's a lot of things that are coming out regarding the Mashiach and what's going to be and this is the end of days. There's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind this is, you know, we're in the in the days of Mashiach. It's not in my mind that this, this, the big rabbis already been saying this for years. We are in the days of Mashiach. But we have to be very, very careful that when we say we're days of Mashiach, we don't know when. We don't know exactly when. We When, when are we anticipating it? Tomorrow. Today. Now. Now we're anticipating. Not in a month and not after this. And With the second that we start putting dates and timestamps on things, we're, we're falling off the wrong place. What we're realizing from these situations and all these signs that we are in the end of days. We are in the end of days. Whether that's going to be in six months, whether that's going to be in ten years, I have no idea. And none of us do. But one thing that we do know is that it's close. It's very, very close. And we have to think about it. When Mashiach comes, it's game over. There's no tshuva. There's no, it's, it's, it's over. So are we ready? And if we're not ready, are we taking steps that are making us ready? Some of us maybe, yeah. Some of us not. Maybe some of us could do more. We have to stop and think of what we're going to do. So my recommendation, not my recommendation, Rav Chaim can ask your recommendation. Follow those three things. No Lashon Please be careful of how we are speaking to each other. How we're speaking. What are we sending? What are we forwarding? What are we sharing? We have to be so careful. Only speak positive about other people. That's number one. Number two, humility. Work on your humility. Work on your, your, your ability to go. And everybody is great. Look up, look up at people instead of looking down at people. And finally, be ma'avira midotav. Don't go and some, you're gonna get on edge. It's just gonna happen. Take a, and if you mess up, it's fine. Just, you know, bring yourself back down. Smile. Take a, take a moment. Take an hour. Take a half a day. Whatever it is that you can, work on your emunah bidachon. In this trying times, every single day, you have to work on emunah bidachon. There's no way out of it. There's no way out. Every single day. And besides that, you have to internalize it. Think. Think. Set yourself up an hour, 15 minutes, whatever you can. Set yourself an alarm. Alarm. During this time, this is emunah bidachon time. You don't have to be listening to that class. You just have to be internalizing it. Saying that everything that, uh, you could say it again again, a thousand times. Or you say everything that God does for the best, this is for the best for me. You just internalize that message. You will see a change in your life. Okay, we will um, open up to some uh, questions now.
You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.